You're listening to Deliberate Living, a podcast that inspires, empowers, and encourages listeners to live life more authentically. My name is Holly Priestley, and I'm a full-time nomad and creator who has been living in my 1997 Ford van since January 1st of 2019. I travel the United States with my dog, learning how to live with more authenticity. I explore different ways people choose to ditch the prescribed life we've all been sold and live on their terms, finding freedom and happiness however they choose. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Deliberate Living Podcast. I am your host, Holly Priestley, and this week we have a returning guest who I am super stoked to talk to. We have Amy Floyd, and she was on the show a year ago or so when you were maybe six months into your van journey. And I think it was uh, like two months into my van journey. Yeah, it was like super fresh, very new. <laughs> and so now you're over a year into your van journey and um we're gonna talk about not vans today <laughs> not vans. <laughs> we're gonna talk about the other part of amy's life amy is an etymologist is that how you say it entomologist entomologist okay entomologist the n is like it's either there or it isn't and i always forget it <laughs> um entomologist and she has a master's degree in entomology yep. And so basically she's a big old bug nerd and she focuses on bees and she's incredibly intelligent. She's super smart. She does a lot of like bee science and uh, helping beekeepers on a very commercial level. Um, But she also has her own hives and she runs a company called the Honey Wagon, which, uh, you know, makes a lot of sense living out of a van and um, her honey gets swiped up like in like five minutes every time she has jars for sale. Um, But so what we're going to talk about today is something that I think is really important for like the world as a whole, whether you live in a van or in a house or in a backpack or really anywhere. If you exist in the world, we need to talk a little bit more about bees and how we can support them because like without bees, we don't have anything. I think Einstein said what, like, as soon as we lose bees, like within five or seven years or something, like people will just like crumble and die. Yeah. I don't know. That's uh, how the quote goes. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> sounds uh, accurate. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know exactly all of those kinds of statistics, but yeah. Uh, food will be hard to find. Yeah. Even if you don't eat, you know, like a lot of fruits and vegetables and stuff, like Everything's Everything that alive. you eat eats a lot of fruits and vegetables and stuff. And I mean, just they're so useful and so like for a holistically healthy ecosystem. Um, and so I'm really excited to have just like one of my best friends and like one of the smartest women I know, one of the most hardworking women I know. And she's so passionate about everything that she does. <laughs> and she does a lot of things. <laughs> But to share with you guys, you know, some tips and tricks for, you know, hosting and supporting bees as best as you can. So, Amy, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Um, Do you want to give the audience a little bit of your background in terms of of your studies and your interest in bees and how you got here? Sure. Um, so I never thought I was going to work with bees. Um, I like went to school. My undergraduate degree is in wildlife conservation and management. Um, and I uh, I had no like passion for bugs before. Um, 
But during my like last year of undergrad, I needed some lab experience and there just happens to be a USDA lab in Tucson. Um, and they needed some undergrads to, to do some stuff. And I figured I might as well learn some lab stuff. Um, so I started working there and like totally became fascinated with bees because they're incredible creatures. They're so complex. They have such this like social system that blows my mind. I was learning something wild every day. And I just like, was like, yep, I'm going to keep doing this. Um, so I did that for a while. And then I worked there for right after I graduated. Um, and then they, my supervisor kind of was like, you could get your master's if you're going to be here anyway, and we'll pay for it. And so, um, it's a research master. So, you know, it, it's paid for by numerous things, but I wasn't paying um, a big chunk of it. So I figured it would be silly to pass that up. So I got my master's in entomology and insect science um, from the University of Arizona. And while I did that, I studied um, the pathogens and um, the diseases that affect honeybees and are part of what a big part of why their populations are struggling so much. Um, and then I, uh, got hired to work there afterwards, um, as a technician for a little bit. Um, and then I decided I didn't want to be in Tucson anymore, but I still wanted to work with bees. Um, and I moved into the van and moved to Davis, California, where I worked for a different USDA lab. So, um, this November I'll have been working with bees for seven years, um, and somewhere in there, I think in 2020 was when I decided to have my own hives um, and uh, kind of do my own honey wagon thing, um, which I really, really love. I love sharing that with everyone. Um, it, as, an, I, as much as I'd like for it to, to consider it a business, it's more of just an expensive hobby at this point, but um, <laughs> we'll see how that grows in the future. But it's super fun. This year, I got to sell my honey at an actual market, um, a van life market, actually. And it was so much more fun to sell like face to face and talk to people as they came up to the table and teach them about bees and kind of watch them understand and fall in love with those creatures more and more so that's kind of where I'm at now <laughs> I love that I have a huge love of bees we both have bee tattoos on our right shoulders um which is just fun and cool <laughs> but uh can you you mentioned um when you first started working for the USDA lab in Tucson as an undergrad that um you didn't have a passion for bees but you needed to get some lab experience and every day you were learning something new about bees and their social systems and how they communicate and, you know, how they function in the world. Can you share some of your favorite like things that, that you learned at that time or that, you know, about bees, like how, yeah, how I mean, are I think, they, <laughs> I think, yeah, sure. Um, I think like that was, I mean, anything is kind of, I don't know. I get, I'm, I'm one of those people that like the second I start learning about something, I become kind of obsessed with it because I'm like, this is so cool, but I have just like never thought about it at that, to that extent before. So bees were kind of like that. It was like, yeah, I knew bees were important. Um, but, but then learning like the details of them was just like blew my mind. So I think what 
right? We all know like bees live in hives and like we hear about queen bees all the time, but like that was the extent of what I knew um, when I started and learning about their, their like whole life cycle that they start as they're an egg, then they're a larva, then they're a pupa. And then when they emerge, they can't fly and they can't sting right away. And so, and they're all fluffy and cute and they walk around the hive and they clean cells out while they can't fly and they help clean everything up and get it ready for the next eggs to be laid in those cells and become adult bees and, or to store honey or pet, they pack pollen or, um, they just kind of clean up. And then when, as they age, they become nurse bees. Um, so they're feeding the larva or they're feeding, attending the queen because queens don't eat on their own. Um, and so they're feeding the queens. And during that time, they have these glands in their head that are called hypopharyngeal glands um, that produce the royal jelly that we all hear about when we think about bees. Um, and so like they have these huge glands in their head then. And then as they age, and they become foragers and those glands shrink and they focus more on flying out into the world and collecting nectar or water or pollen. And then they bring that back to the hive. And then as they age more, they become guard bees and they're just like, they're going to die eventually anyway. So they might as well be the ones that are sacrificing themselves if something tries to attack the hive. So it was just like, what they go through like this whole, depending on like what day it is, they have a different job, which is just like, what? someone should structure my life that well. Um, <laughs> but then, and then I learned about boy bees because most, so worker bees and the queen are female, but then there you, we need a male to reproduce. And so uh, there are male bees who are referred to as drones and they have these giant eyeballs because they are, their only purpose in life is to like fly out and mate with the queen. Um, and then they die. Um, but, and they don't have stingers because the stinger of a bee is actually like developed from like their reproductive organs. Um, I can't remember exactly which one it is, but it's, um, but they're males. So they don't have that. And so they don't have a stinger. They just have like this big fluffy butt. So they're just like kind of useless other than to mate with queens. Um, oh, people who fall into that description as well. <laughs> shocking. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so it was just like, I was learning all kinds of stuff like that, just like every day and how they're, how they communicate with each other and like how they decide when they're going to swarm and then how, when, once they do swarm, how they make decisions about where they're going to build a new hive. And like, there were so many behavioral aspects of like the individual bee, but then also the bee hive as a whole that were just like, it was blowing my mind. Um, and uh, yeah, I was like learning how, like when you talk to most people in the bee industry, they don't think of a bee as an individual. They think of a hive as an individual. So they, they refer to it as a super organism in the science world because as, like, sure, a one bee survives, can survive on its own technically, but like the, the popular, the species wouldn't continue on without the entire hive. And so like you need all of those working parts in order for it, them to reproduce and for them to reproduce is really 
they're swarming and then turning one hive into two hives. And instead of like, yeah, the queen's laying an egg, that becomes an individual bee, but that's not how the species going, is going to continue. So it's just like this, like levels within levels within levels <laughs> that I just like, I was like, this is something complex enough that I'm not going to get bored. And so, and I haven't yet. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. And bees are, they're, they're so much more complex and they're so much smarter than I think a lot of people give them credit for than a lot of people realize um, the way that they can map out their environments, even if you you know, move the hive or reorient things like they can usually still find where they want to go, where the flowers are, where the water is, where the hive is. Um, and they communicate via interpretive dance. Does that, they do, they, um, do a dance called the waggle dance. (laughs) Um, and so they, I think there's a video on the honey wagon Instagram of this. Um, but they're basically doing kind of a, an eight or like a, like a figure eight sort of type of dance um and they they walk a few steps and then they wiggle their whole body um and the the like angle at which they're walking at and the like way they curve and like how far they go is like telling the other bees the like angle from the sun at which the food or resource or new hive location or whatever is at and like how far is it's wild. So like they see bees see polarized light. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like they get really confused when you put them in a greenhouse because there's light, but it's not polarized light anymore. They're really relying on the sun. And so that's why they'll all like kind of just like bunch up into one corner and they get super confused and just circle around. Um, but so they use the sun. And so that's why the, that angle is based off of like where from the sun they were seeing it's crazy and it's just like one of those things that's like the more I learn about it the more I'm like what this is so cool and everyone should know about this yeah I completely agree I love bees I love uh you know the bee documentaries and learning everything you know from you and and your honey wagon page and everything that you share um so I'm I'm always excited to learn more about bees personally when I see them out and about in the world, they don't like freak me out anymore. I kind of just, I very often have conversations with them. I just tell them like, Hey B, happy to see you. I'm not a flower. Please like, you know, you'll, you're going to find flowers. They're right over there, but like, I'm not it. Don't freak me out. Don't freak out any of my friends or family. And like, it works most of the time. They like, listen. (laughs) Yeah. They're not trying to most they're like pretty docile they're the they get angry when you're near their hive um so um but yeah I've had a ton of people tell me like oh I used to be so scared of bees until I talked to you about them and now I'm not afraid of them anymore I just kind of give them their space um which makes me really happy because I mean that's like I was not, I was kind of one of those people that was slightly afraid of bugs like I wasn't like super terrified of them but I was like okay, I'm going to leave that there. And then as I went through grad school and I learned about all the different bugs, I'm like, those aren't scary at all. Like, I don't... <laughs> but so it is just, it's kind of one of those like bigger life lessons that like the more you learn, the less scary things become. And I feel like that can be applied to everything. 
pretty much everything. The more you understand it, the yeah. less scary it is. Yeah. So I think most people who haven't been living under too many rocks know that bees are very important for, you know, world survival, human survival. Um, and I think most people who haven't been living under too many rocks also know that the bee populations are in decline. Can you talk a little bit about like why they're so important and why we should be freaking out maybe a little more than we are about the decline in bees? Sure. Um, so I think what gets lost in the bee, save the bees conversation is the native bees. Um, okay. So there are like, I think just in Arizona, there are like 4,000 species of bees. And honeybees are one of those. And honeybees aren't even native. They're from Europe and Africa. They're not from the new world, this side of the the, the world. So um, I think that the honey honeybees do have lots of issues and honeybees are what are, what we're reliant on for food. But I think... I like to use them as a good gateway to teach people about native bees and the solitary bee populations because they do a ton too. They're the ones pollinating all the wildflowers and plants and things that are feeding our wildlife that also contribute to like our whole cycle um, of life. And so, um, and those are all struggling because of habitat loss and, uh, mostly habitat loss, I guess, really, is that they're, they're losing their native plants that they're reliant on, or, um, you know, big giant houses are being built in place of a giant lot that used to be full of weeds, full of flowers for them. Um, and like a lot of these, these bees are ground nesting. So they, if there's no like soft ground that's appropriate for them, they can't build their homes there anymore or and reproduce. Um, so there's a native bee side of things that like, I like to promote that. And like, I don't want that to get lost in the conversation because they're super important. And if there were more of them, we would need less honeybees and then honeybees would be less stressed. I want to take a minute to talk about the sponsor for this episode. That is the app Rerouted. With Rerouted, you can buy, sell, and donate used outdoor gear online instantly and automatically. As soon as it sells, you just print out a shipping label and you pop it in the mail. It's, there's no hassle. You never have to deal with any strangers. It's a pretty painless process. One of the reasons I love Rerouted so much is because they are committed to access, sustainability, and affordability for all users. They're really into the circular economy and keeping things out of landfills. And that is just something I really enjoy. Um, and so if you want to try Rerouted for the first time, you can get 10% off of your first purchase with them with the link that is in the description below. And then also if you are clearing out your closet and making some more space for some new gear, uh, get in touch with me and I can put you in touch with their wizard so that you can list your first five items for free on their site. Again, that is Rerouted. Thank you so much for sponsoring the show and let's get back to our chit chat. Um, but honeybees are super important for our agricultural industry and for our food because they um, they increase the yield of most crops. So without them um, or with fewer of them, you'd get fewer apples per tree or whatever. With them, you get a whole tree full of apples. And so 
um, and to keep up with our population increasing and um, everything, we need that amount of food. And bees have had to deal with um, crazy things. There was a lot of like miscommunication in the past about when it was good to spray pesticides. And a lot of things were getting sprayed while things were flowering, but that's when the bees are on them. And so we were losing large amounts of populations because of that like gap in communication and science that we figured out. So pesticides, still not good for bees. Never spray pesticides when things are flowering. You will kill bees of any kind. Um, but agriculturally, like commercially speaking, they've kind of figured out some of those things. They're still trying to figure out how like fungicides work. So during the almond bloom, they spray a ton of uh, fungicide because um, it can be kind of a rainy time in California then, and it's still kind of cold. And so it doesn't just like evaporate. Um, and so they'll lose their crop if they don't spray it. But we don't really know what the effects of fungicides are on bees yet. And it could be, could be bad. Um, it could be hindering weird things that I know there are scientists looking at like how it affects how bees interact with the queen, which then re affects the reproductive ability of the hive to get stronger. And um, so they play a very big role um, in like making sure commercially there's enough food for everyone. Um, yeah, and then on top pesticides and then diseases, they have just like a laundry list of pathogens and parasites that affect them. Uh, that the whole colony collapse disorder thing hasn't been like fully debunked, but they're all, we're all pretty sure that that wasn't its own disorder wasn't its own thing. It's a combination of all of these things that are stressing them out at once that cause hives to just leave. They just leave there, they abscond, they go try to build a new house that's not full of pesticides and but like bugs they don't want and yeah um, stuff like that. Or or they got weak enough that they would die. And so um those are like the major things there's also like seasonal changes like climate change has caused kind of rapid it gets really cold randomly and then it gets really hot again and it's making flowers do random things and um they they bees totally go off of temperature and they need it to be a certain temperature for them to function properly and uh they once it gets really cold they kind of shut down the queen stops laying eggs so they stop getting bigger because they are going to have less resources because it's cold. So there's going to be less flowers. Um, but then all of a, the next week it gets warm again. And now they need now They can go. They want to go try and forage, but maybe there's no food. So now they're wasting energy going to forage because everything died because it was cold last week or. And then the queen starts laying again, but now they don't have enough resources to raise those larvae. And so like these like weird waves that we experience really uh, can cause confusion in their cycle. Um, it's not going to like, it doesn't kill them immediately or anything, but that like constant stress of going back and forth between shutting down and functioning is um, definitely takes a toll on them. 
Yeah. I don't know if I answered your question. (laughs) (laughs) You answered my question. Um, And so if somebody, a lay person wanted to make a difference and actually help the bees, I feel like so many times, especially right now for our generation, especially like it's just one catastrophe after another. And you know, everything is bad. So many things are bad and like, there's nothing we can do about it. And that is not good for our mental health and it's not really good for the planet. Um, And so, you know, like one person cannot save all of the bees, but surely one person can do something, whether they can, you know, have hives themselves or not. I know that there are things that people can do that, you know, will make some kind of difference to, you know, their local bees or, or bees at large. Um, So what are the things, what are some of the things that people can, can actually like act on and make a difference with and, and help the bees and feel better about the state of the world? Sure. (laughs) Um, Always, always having native plants around in your yard, like landscaping with native things. Um, and, uh, just flowers in general, planting flowers in your, your area and like not knowing that you're drawing attention to bees and not freaking out once there are bees in your yard. Um, um, but yeah, planting, I, I always want to promote native flowers, um, native plants, um, because those really help the native bees like cactus bees need cactus flowers. Mm. Um, and so, um, things like that, but, um, any form of flower, any nectar producing flower, um, bees don't, can't really see red. So, um, flowers that aren't red, um, but red flowers help other, other pollinators. So plant all the flowers of all the colors of all the kinds, um, try to be native. Um, and then, um, purchasing honey from your local beekeeper, not from the grocery store um, is also a way because beekeeping is expensive Mm -hmm. and it's a lot of work. And one, just like economically helping those guys out is a plus, but also like that honey is better for you. Mm -hmm. Um, It tastes so much better. It's not like half corn syrup. And (laughs) (laughs) it's, I've had so many people that like try my honey. They're like, oh, I don't really like honey, but I'll try it. And then they try my honey and they're like, oh my God, I love honey. And I'm like, yeah, because this is real honey, not corn syrup. Um, but um, yeah, supporting your local beekeepers is, is very helpful um, because they're, it's um, not cheap. It's not easy, but it's so necessary. Um, so um, that is a way you can help the bees kind of without, if you don't have, if you live in an apartment and you can't plant flowers, you know, um, buying local honey, um, also like (laughs) there's something to be said with like buying organic. I know it's never, not always like feasible for everyone. Um, but there are less like pesticides and things used in those situations and just kind of, and even better than that, supporting like local farmers um like smaller family farms that are in your go to your farmer's market every weekend and buy those fruits and vegetables rather than um 
kind of grocery store, big stuff that's sourced from monocultures because they almost guaranteed use less pesticides and weird fertilizers and stuff. Um, so it's just, you're promoting a healthier environment and those guys probably have some bees on their land. Maybe it's only like five hives or something, but um, they, you're just promoting a healthier environment for the bees in general by supporting those businesses that do that, so. Cool, I love that. I mean, that's a lot of like actual things that human beings can do, no matter where they live or in what kind of house they live in or whatever. Um, Yeah, I think that's great. And is there anything else that you wanted to share about bees or supporting bees or other pollinators or anything like that, that I haven't asked you yet? Um, I don't think so. I'm better when I'm asked questions than when I just I feel that. (laughs) Um, So anybody listening, if you have additional questions about bees and pollinators and how we can make more of a difference um, and help out, uh, send them to me, send them to Amy, follow Honey Wagon um, on Instagram. And she she posts a lot of informational things. I mean, you've had a little bit of a break for the last little bit, but I remember during like almond season, you did a whole series on like the almond industry and commercial beekeeping and um, how that all works. And it was so informative. So if you haven't seen that, go back through the honey wagon (laughs) uh, platform and, uh, and read that. But Amy, uh, how else can people find you on the internet or anywhere? (laughs) Um, I have my own personal Instagram. Um, that's Amy underscore Sue. Um, that is more about like my life and the animals in my life and, uh, my van journey and those things. Um, so, but otherwise I'm on Facebook too, but I don't pay attention to it. So (laughs) Instagram is the best way to get a hold of me. Yeah. And I will link to that um, in the show notes for sure. Um, Amy is just an amazing woman to follow. If you're looking for someone who is doing badass stuff and kind of doing it her own way and is like passionate about, you know, the things that she's passionate about and is making life work for her. Um, And I just think she's amazing. So I'm really grateful to have you on the show again. And um, for everybody who is listening, if you've made it this far in the episode, you've made it to the end. Thank you so much. Go ahead, give it a like, a thumbs up, a five stars, whatever it is on the platform that you are consuming this on. If you know someone who is uh, kind of a bee nerd or be curious, um, (laughs) send them this episode and uh, go out and plant some native flowers. Don't freak out when you see bees. Um, And uh, yeah, come come back next week or whenever I have not been doing these weekly tune in (laughs) next time for another excellent episode. Um, and yeah, thank you so much. See you guys later. Bye.